then he comes in here and does a dance knowing exactly <laughs> right but um it's what makes it fun though and I think yeah. that 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 level going down reflects onto our guests a lot you know it's like welcome to our home it's just really really nice and we light things on fire sometimes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hey, it's me, Amy Vallejo, with Social Creative Conversations. I don't know if you're new to Social Creative Conversations or if you join us for regular dialogues, but either way, I'm so glad to have you with us today. Our space explores the women behind many creative brands. We connect through conversation and stories because as you well know, we are more than just a pretty little tile on a social media platform. We live full lives with the complexities and beauty to share, to learn, and to grow from. And my hope is the sharing of our lives and learnings deepens our connections so much greater. Hi there. Thank you so much for tuning in to Social Creative Conversations. I'm excited about today's conversation. Uh, I don't know what you're doing right now. Maybe you're on a walk. Maybe you're running errands with your kids, taking them to and fro like I usually do in my days. Or you've got an exact five minutes on a lunch break and you're going to give it a listen. I hope you listen to the whole thing because today's guest has a special place in my heart. And if you invest in listening in to this whole conversation, it would just help me to feel more connected to you and you to me knowing my story. Today's guest is Anna Lee, who is the event director for El Gaucho Steakhouse in Seattle. And if you know anything about my story, if we, if you're in my social creative community on social media, then you certainly have heard me speak about El Gaucho. It is a Seattle steakhouse and really a staple in Seattle. It's owned by Fire and Vine Hospitality and they have many locations all over Washington and they have a location in Portland, Oregon. So if you're local, I hope you'll check out one of their locations or you'll come dine at El Gaucho with me. That would be fun. But if not, then let me give you a little essence of what that is. El Gaucho uses this tagline, fine dining of a bygone era, which is true. It's sort of that rat packy vibe. It is luxury exceptional fine dining when you literally walk through the door so it was dimly lit there is someone playing live piano music it's dark where you'd have to use a flashlight to read your menu table side preparation of their classic Caesar salad or their bananas foster that's flambéed at your table uh, it's a whole experience and it's definitely one of those that, you know, you get dressed up in your fanciest attire and you go in and it's a it's a whole evening deal. Jake and I have been going there for the last 10 years and it wasn't necessarily on purpose. It's something that ended up becoming a part of our story, a really special part of our story because it has helped us live out our inspiration for making any day an occasion. Living life now, making a celebration something special, drinking the good wine now, living the good life now, splurging on the best meal, sometimes when you need it the most. And so I thought in order to set up this conversation, I really wanted to share with you something personal. 
In many ways, it'll help you understand my inspiration for Galentine's, which is our experience coming up on February 10. It talks to hospitality. It talks to the art of an occasion and speaks to the things that matter most. So this year was the 10th anniversary of Jake and I going to El Gaucho. It also came on the heels of discovering I had another brain tumor. And so we decided we wanted to host a party, a celebration to commemorate the milestone and really share how this crazy brain tumor that started 10 years ago has become a symbol for celebrating life. And so we gathered some of our friends over to El Gaucho as we've done the last 10 years and we got to celebrate. And so I wanted to share some excerpts of the toast I shared with the people who came because some of them knew why we were meeting at El Gaucho and some of them didn't. So let me share a little bit more to the story. Here we go. Every year on December 6th, Jake and I get all spiffed up here, dust the shoes off I can barely stand in anymore and wear the once-a-year holiday sport coat. We get our dry-aged cut of meat, my deeply baked potato loaded with all the good stuff, sip martinis and the best wine, then finish with a fire show and decadent bananas foster. At dinner, we revisit the memories and suffering of that December in 2011, when we recount and revel in the miracles God bestowed on us and the way our community poured themselves out to love us deeply and walk with us in a very low time. Throughout the evening, conversation meanders into the goodness and gratitudes that just lived and the shifts or observations that we've made because of them. It is some of my favorite conversations. An intentional time to share the stories of life, the pain and peaks, the admirations, the blessings, the growth and aspirations. So what is it about this night, this place? I know most of you know the story and some of you were even at that table for what we called my last supper meal. But for those of you still wondering about the significance of this night, allow me to touch on the incredible details that led up to this tradition. On December 6, 2011, Jake and I went to Harborview with a list of questions, a lot of nerves, as we prepared to meet doctors and our team at the neurology clinic. Having only a picture and limited information of the tumor, we were not prepared to be thrust into hours of appointments, listen through the actualities of what-ifs, be handed a giant neurosurgery binder, hear about all the implications and side effects, sign waivers, see surgery rooms, and receive an immediate directive to proceed to one of two surgeries the next morning. Tears immediately welled. I looked at Jake like a deer caught in headlights, stunned, bewildered, and terrified. And you can't eat after 12 a.m. tonight, said the doctor. At that, my panic turned to very clear instructions. Jake, we're going to dinner. And if it's my last, we're going to go all out. Maybe it's the fear that picked El Gaucho or the threat of having things go wrong. Whatever it was, I knew that I wanted to suck the very marrow of life that night and celebrate at a long table full of beautiful voices and souls and have the lingering flavors of the best meal still on my palate when I entered that surgical room. And so, with a call to Ginger, in a matter of hours, babysitters were arranged, people were gathered, a long table was available and reserved on a busy holiday evening, and we all showed up in our fanciest attire to savor all the best that life had to give and pray over a journey that was about to begin. And so here we are, 10 years later, for our annual El Gaucho Night. For 10 years, 
Jake and I have come here to thank God for the air in our lungs, the circle of community that we have, and the miracles that we have seen and felt. This evening is a sweet night celebrated by ourselves or with friends of remembering the hard stuff and the good stuff. It's about saying the things that carry weight and emphasizing our love for each other. It's about seizing the day, splurging to feel alive, because time is a fragile gift. It's about recollecting the moments that shape us and the people who rally and walk beside us, not just then, but also now. So that's just a short excerpt to share with you what El Gaucho means to us and its significance in our life the last 10 years. And I'll share a little bit more of this toast at the end of the podcast to share what I ultimately hope that occasions like these generate, what they produce. Anyways, I want to share more about El Gaucho and how they have worked together as a family, how they've come through a pandemic, what it was like to be in a hospitality industry during a pandemic, and really what the meaning of hospitality truly is at its core. How they pay particular attention to how a guest feels when they walk through the door. And how they aspire to make an occasion out of every day, not just for a fancy milestone. Thanks for listening in and being part of the conversation. Here we go. Thank you, ladies, so much for joining me. This is so exciting. You're actually um, your guest number one for season two of the podcast. So this are is we really? Uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I'm season one down, season two, but I'm still in my son's bedroom podcasting with my laptop on a crate. So oh, I know, so fun, <laughs> right? I wanted to talk to you guys just about hospitality. You, you. El Gaucho as a whole has been so gracious to me and it's been such a huge part of my story. And I'm so excited that you are collaborating with us for this year's Galentine's event. It's going to be so much fun, but I really wanted to talk to you about uh, what it's like to be in the hospitality industry, what that's like through pandemic and giving our listeners a little bit more of an idea of El Gaucho as a whole, like yeah. what it like to come in and have that experience. And first of all, I'd love for you to sort of introduce yourself to those who are listening and give us sort of an idea of your role at El Gaucho. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I graduated from WSU and in hospitality business management. So all things hospitality through and through kind of always been a restaurant kid or even times I've found my way out, I end up finding my way back. And I actually out of college worked for the Washington Hospitality Association. Okay. So kind of dove right in to the industry and learning a lot about problems, concerns, areas of opportunity for the hospitality industry, and especially specific to us here in Washington. Mm-hmm. And then I joined El Gaucho back in 2018. I joined it at our Bellevue location. 
And I was an event coordinator there, did our private dining and catering offsite, any kind of special, special event type stuff that wasn't necessarily just the main dining aspect. And then March of 2020, uh, obviously hit and everything went down and it was just such an interesting and eye-opening time, I think, off because the industry is shutting down, is closing down to this. I just want to hold you real quick because I want to talk about that later because that is a whole thing. For those who who aren't familiar with El Gaucho, you have multiple locations, right? And the First Avenue one is one of the originals, right? Yeah, it's a flagship. When we first opened out of COVID, I was still at Bellevue, but my job looked very different. You know, it was very, a very small staff. We didn't know if you know, things would be back, if people would want to come back, if they'd be comfortable. And so I kind of worked through the summer there doing a lot of things. Just prior to the close down of March 2020, we had announced that the First Avenue Seattle location, we were moving um, to the Union Stables building. So this move was a pre-COVID plan, was kind of a new opportunity for growth and to be in a historical landmark building to kind of take your traditional El Gaucho and all the aspects of that, but kind of put a new face on it. And right. so that was a pre-COVID plan. Which and then, is a big deal, right? Oh, I yeah. mean, that's a big deal because that location had been there for what, 20 some years? Yeah. Uh, it opened in 1996. So, in 1996. And that was the first one, but Paul McKay yeah. who opened it. So, and he has a rich, extensive history with fine dining and restaurant touring in the Seattle local area. So that El Gaucho First Avenue was the first one longstanding. It had its own vibe. Could you tell us really quick, if I were to walk in to that, that restaurant, what was the vibe there? Because it's different from your next location where you moved to the stables. Yeah. What what would people have expected just to walk in? So actually this is our third location for El Gaucho, Seattle. So the original Al Gaucho actually opened in the 50s. It was up on 7th and Olive, and it was opened by a man named Jim Ward. Mm-hmm. And it was a sister restaurant to 13 Coins. Right. Which Obviously, a lot of people 13. know. Yeah. Yes, I'm and, there in um, my 20s. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And Paul McKay started working at that El Gaucho. Uh-huh. And he eventually became the general manager of that location. And that was totally the 50s kind of rat pack, but very elegant, traditional yeah. fine dining where you walk in and, you know, your napkin is placed on your lap for you. And yeah. So Jim Ward passed away in the early 80s, I believe, and that restaurant closed down shortly after that. So Paul McKay left, but still kind of stayed in the fine dining realm of things. And his vision and dream was that he wanted to bring back El Gaucho and the traditional fine dining that you couldn't find anywhere else 
but there. So he opened up the El Gaucho 2.0 in 96. And that was the first and Wall Street location. Okay. And that wanted to have the same feel of, you know, the mink booths, the leather, the exposed uh, kitchen and grill, the fire, you know, from walking in the front door and it kind of being this kind of hidden speakeasy, you can't see through the front doors, you know, to walk in and have that kind of overwhelm and welcome of a dessert flambe lighting on fire over here and someone making a Caesar salad here and someone instantly walking up to offer to take your jacket for you. Yeah. And um, so that is what he carried over into the first in wall street location that can I just say after years of dining there at that location I mean that was a whole thing oh you walked in and you felt like luxury oh yeah because it was it was it was like sort of speakeasy it was very dimly lit I mean you almost you had to have little flashlights to see your menu you'd sit down and it was the white tablecloth just I mean like starched perfectly, you know, just beautiful and the tuxedo service Mm -hmm. and just everything. It was a whole experience. Um, Yeah, absolutely. But in, in your going back to what you said earlier too, is it was that every day. So whether you were walking in on a Monday after a work meeting, or you were coming in in your finest attire to celebrate you know, your parents' 50th anniversary for a dinner on a Saturday evening, it was going to be that same feeling walking in every day. And that same service, whether you were coming to dine at the bar top for a happy hour, or if you're sitting in in the mink booth in your nicest dress, you know, that same service to be provided all around. And it totally transported you. I mean, oh, yeah. you for a couple hours, you were like ex- extended into this little tiny time capsule of elegant, luxurious dining, but it was so, it was just such another experience and really so special. I'm curious. I know this won't, you can't probably answer the same because you work there, but have you had that experience to walk in as a guest instead of on the other side of the line? Yeah. And I never walked into an El Gaucho until I interviewed. There. Yeah, But even walking in to interview in the middle of the day when, you know, the restaurant, the lights are on and yeah. it looks a little different. Even then, I remember being like, wow, this is really cool. There's something so special about working here or knowing kind of what our small touches are on service and coming to either dine here myself or even any of our other locations that I go to. Because there are those cool things that, you know, you look, you look for. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that El Gaucho, we really pride ourselves in is going beyond expectations that you maybe didn't even know you had right. when you're walking in the door here. Yeah. You know? Tell us about that because first impression, especially in the hospitality industry is so crucial. I mean, you want to make a good first impression and a lasting impression because for your own clientele that comes in, you have 
people who have been coming in for years and years and years, but in order to garner that, your first impression has to make a really great one. So tell us some of those little, those touch points, those lasting touch points that people notice almost like, I mean, I notice a lot of them when I'm leaving because it's lingering. Uh, Why don't you share some of those things? Because it does make, it is a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, at least for me and not really dining in fine dining before, when I first started working here and we were told like, oh, you know, we, we take the napkin and we place it on their lap. And I remember like the first table I sat. And when I did that, I was like, I don't know, is, is this weird? You know, because I wasn't used to it at all, but it is something that sometimes you just see people's face light up when you do it. Like, oh oh my gosh, did you just put my napkin down? Or, you know, you're waiting until they're, they're sat and situated before you're handing them a menu, you know, or, or trying to, you know, just trying to make that seem so effortlessly as far as timing without being ever invasive or, you know, trying to take your jacket off and, oh, I'm trying to hand you a menu. I think one of the things that I don't know why I was most nervous about was, that when you're escorting your group to the table or, you know, walking someone back to their table was, what am I going to talk about when I'm doing that? You know, because, (laughs) well, because I just thought being outside, you know, everyone's expectations are so high and everything, but you're right that part of it is people walking in the door and just not being overwhelmed, but just feeling so welcomed and um, captivated by the space or the service that they're not even thinking about what you're talking about walking to their table, you know? And so coming from the outside, there were so many things that I was like, I feel like there are so many details to pay attention to or to remember. And yeah, there are, there are pinpoint things that we do like the napkin or the cookies in the car or a coat check, things like that, that you don't have necessarily at very many restaurants anymore, but really it just comes down to just wanting to provide the best service and making guests feel as welcome as they possibly can, you know? And that led to me just realizing that conversation comes so easy. The other part of it though, too, is that I think what reflects so strong on our guests is how much we as a as a team are such a family and how quickly I came into El Gaucho and, you know, starting a new job is nerve wracking and there's people your same age. There's people younger than you. There's people much older than you that have been working here for 25 years and they know Gaucho through and through. And so for me feeling as a kid to come in and, try and learn this fine dining world, but it all just became that we are such a family. I think what's really cool about El Gaucho specifically and all of our fire and vine locations is that our service staff, whether it's the front desk or our kitchen crew, our kitchen team or server, bartender, people come here for their career, not just as a oh, I'm in college and I need a serving job for 
so when I can only work nights, you know, and I remember you telling me just how long a lot of the staff had been there. Do you know which employee has been there the longest or what the longest length of time is? Because that speaks, speaks so significantly and highly to finding a place that you can become a family in at an employment opportunity is so huge. I mean, that's talk about employee retention, right? So Seattle specifically, um, both mock and Rebecca, our servers, they have been with us for so long. Actually, I'm going to take my computer and show you that they are actually in one of our paintings. Yes. That we have. It's just a piece to kind of show that, you know, our servers are our family and the people that have been here. Um, are such a staple and integral part of El Gaucho and just the Fire and Vine story because there are two that have been here at the Seattle location or Seattle locations um, for a long time. But we also have people all across the company that maybe have started in one place and have are now in another location. You know, it is the restaurant industry. So not every single person we have stays or stays for that long. But I think another thing that is kind of really reflective on our family aspect and things, we have a lot of people that have left or gone to other restaurants or other parts of the country, you know, moved. And oftentimes too, we get people back, you know, or we have people that, that come back to serve that serve for us 10, 15 or so years ago, but the traditions and style and family aspect of things are still the same. And kind of on that note was where our support and family style feel for each other is reflects on our guests. You know, it's, it's easy when work doesn't feel like it's work and that's really fun. And even if it's a matter of asking Rob to be like, I'm recording, please do not let anybody come in here and then he comes in here and does a dance knowing exactly (laughs) right but um it's what makes it fun though and I think that 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 level going down reflects onto our guests a lot you know it's like welcome to our home it's just Mm -hmm. really really nice and we light things on fire sometimes (laughs) but um but that's I I think a lot of the big welcoming aspect of it is it's not just the space and the atmosphere that has to feel feel welcoming. It starts from all the different layers of the valet greeting you, getting your car to the front desk, taking your jacket to being sat by your server, having somebody else bring your bread while someone else fills your water And then you want to have a dessert lit on fire and a manager comes to do it instead of just the same server you're seeing all evening. So the layers of service, I think, are are very, very important to us. Going through those different layers, I think, has what has always made El Gaucho feel like El Gaucho. What what is the clientele base that you guys have over there? Yeah. And actually... I think a lot of people think that we have a very niche market or a very clientele that's very similar, but especially our Seattle locations, um, Bellevue, Tacoma, honestly, all of them, we attract multiple audiences. You know, being in Seattle, 
we have a lot of guests that come in that are tourists in the city Mm. or just coming to visit for the first time. Regulars that are here for personal dining, you know, like you are and celebrations or they come celebrate their birthday with us every year. A lot of guests that are business, you know, they come to celebrate business milestones. It is a about celebrating life. You know, we have guests that come in that are happy hour regulars and they'll be here for happy hour. And I don't even know if maybe they've came in and sat at a dinner table before, but they, they love to come in and sit at the bar and listen to the piano. So we have the best loyalty program I have ever heard of for a restaurant and that revelers club piece is, is really what I think allows our guests to try our different locations out or, you know, come and do a really fancy big birthday dinner for grandma. And now you get reward dollars back to come back in and enjoy a meal on yourself. That is so yes. exciting. And Jake and I actually joined the Revelers Club and we just got like $50. We have $50 to spend in January. So yeah, it's like, oh, host a party for, you know, all your friends right? and now come back and have a dinner on right. us. Right. Totally. So. I, I was thinking too, when you were talking about just guest experience, everyone loves to be treated. When you go to somewhere like your restaurant, I already know from my experience, I'm going to be treated special, you know, and who doesn't want to be treated special and who doesn't want to be doted on a little bit. And it's true. Even what you said about, you know, from your end, gosh, I don't know what I'm not, you know, I don't know what to say, or I want to make sure everything's just right for the guest. It's funny what the guest actually comes away remembering. It's these little tiny moments where you yourself felt oh my gosh, that was out of the ordinary. I felt so special just then, you know, or something was done just for me. And I just kudos to you guys for really making it a point to have every single person who walks through the door, whether a Tuesday or a Saturday to feel special. I I can't help but smile, you know, to hear you say it because it, that's what we pride ourselves in. I think what we strive for is you can go to a restaurant that is absolutely aesthetically beautiful and the music is incredible. The volume of the music is perfect for how you, you know, talk amongst your table. The food is absolutely amazing. And you remember a napkin being put on on your lap or that there's flowers on the table when you walk in. But the most important piece is how a place or people make you feel. Mm-hmm. And it's it's funny how a lot of those little details, a lot of the times, like you said, as a guest, are you don't even notice or you don't even notice it because of the place and how it makes you feel. And that you feel like whether you have been here 25 times or you've only been here one time that, you know, you are just so appreciated for being here and coming to celebrate whatever aspect of life you are celebrating. It just, it comes down to just the basis of hospitality that 
the lasting effect of places is that you remember how you feel. You might not remember how the room looked specifically. Right. Or, it's but so you true. Remember what you walked away feeling that night. Right. You know? Right. And when they think back to that experience, they're like, oh man, with a giant smile, that was so wonderful. I felt so loved. I felt appreciated. I felt noticed, you know? Yeah. And so just your personal touch points for people and just the idea of like looking people in the face and all the, all the layers that you guys do, it, it is the tiny details, but it's also that personal relationship that you wish to leave and, you know, impress on someone who's walking through the door. So, yeah. And just a lot of, a lot of areas of gaucho open up that opportunity for us and allow us to have that engagement with tables. You know, when you have a server that is making your Caesar dressing from scratch right in front of you, you know, they're actually at your table for a more extensive amount of time. You know, they care about asking, you know, what are we celebrating tonight? Or have you been here before? Have you had the Caesar salad before? You know, do you want me to walk you through what I'm doing and how to make it? Or would you prefer to just have your own conversation and I can do this on the side? So that is something that our service staff is just excels so well in is being able to, to read a table or read a group and know, you know, is this a group that I should joke around with? You know, did they Mm -hmm. come here for the entertainment part? Or did they come here for a very intimate evening with their family and I have the opportunity of being able to host them, but really this evening's about, about them and them being together and the conversation they have. So yeah. um, I think there's too an element of authenticity that comes because I'll speak from my own experience when we came in with Luca, he could have done his job the whole way through And we've kind of been in and out, but he really made it a point at the end. What stands out to me was at the end when, as someone who really loves to cultivate relationship and really find out about the person and, um, and meet at a human level, he was a human being who wanted that as well. And we talked about, like, he engaged with me. I got to find out about his story a little bit. I mean, it was sort of like the little moment where he swooped in after the dinner had all been done. And we talked about his father passing away and his kid and my kids. So it was more of a connection, which was like, man, that's for me. That's why I want to go back because it wasn't just someone doing their job. It was someone who really cared to meet the person where they were and really love on them. You know, you can have an experience where, where you don't necessarily want to have a conversation with your server, but he knew how to read the room and read his guest. And it was the most pleasant experience. And I mean, even just the after effect of that was like, Oh, for my party. Oh, I definitely want him to, you know, be a part of my party because now he feels like a part of my story, which, which is such a good lasting impression to have and makes me want to go back. I just, I thought that was a standout moment 
where it is more than just doing your job. You really love what you're doing. You love what you're doing. You love being around people. And that does speak to hospitality in such a profound way. So that's the piece I think that makes El Gaucho feel timeless is that it's, it's a genuine relationship and, um, always really cool to get that feedback and just know that what we originally stood for and open for as this restaurant is longstanding and timeless. And we're still El Gaucho regardless of whether we're in a new location or um, a different era or going through a pandemic. It's it's still um, El Gaucho. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the pandemic. Let's talk about what it was like to be in the hospitality industry and deliver that same uh, type of hospitality and service when things changed and guests weren't coming into the restaurant. I'd love for you to sort of go back and talk about when 2020 first happened, because you mentioned this was simultaneous to when the big move was right for the Seattle location. So what was it like to um, move restaurants during a pandemic, even though it was planned before it all happened? Yeah. Tell us about that experience. So it was planned before it happened. And, you know, our, our original plan before COVID hit and everything was basically to not have any if we didn't have to have any downtime or time out to not have it, that we would have our last night at the first in wall and, you know, a very memorable celebratory night there. And the next evening we would open up at the new location. And that was kind of the original plan of things. Obviously 2020 had some other plans. Right. (laughs) So, you know, things went down and, you know, back in March of 2020, there was still so much uncertainty about this. Schools only initially closed for two weeks, you know? So I remember when everything closed, it was like, well, are we going to open back up again in two weeks or 30 days or a year from now, you know, there was so much uncertainty. So I think part of it was when, for the Seattle location, at least when we had that last night in March of 2020, we didn't quite know if it was going to be our last night there, you know, until we're a little bit farther into this. And um, even with that, though, you know, there were construction halts and furniture shipping delays and, you know, you're building a whole brand new commercial kitchen, all of this equipment and everything. And so much of the world stopped Mm -hmm. or halted back then. So kind of that original plan of that spring, having no El Gaucho Seattle downtime, um, we actually didn't end up opening here at the new location until November of 2020. Mm. And even then that week we opened up was that kind of um, election week we had right. happening <laughs> yeah, then. I remember that too. And yeah. And so 
we opened that Thursday evening. Uh, I believe it was it was the fifth of November. We finally got we finally got open. A lot of it was we were just so excited to see our our guests again. So there were a lot of pieces still in the background that were like we'll get the artwork up in this room when you know we need to seat this room and pieces that were like you know it's time to to get moving forward and the demand is there people want to dine with us and it was right before the holiday season which is always you know a busy time for us too right but however we were also under capacity restrictions um guest count restrictions per table all of that so we opened that first week of November and uh, a week later found out we were closing again right. and everything was closing again. So it was a lot to only really have a 10 day run in your brand new shiny toy that you want to sure. show off, you know, plus we had a lot of our staff that, you know, when our other locations open back up in June, there was some staff that went to other locations and, you know, to work there during that time. But even then, you know, we had quite a bit of staff that hadn't worked in eight months Mm -hmm. because the restaurant closed down in March and didn't open again until November. And then you open back up and two weeks into having a routine and being back at work, everything gets pulled back again. And right before the holidays, there's also just the rising concern of, of people terrified. Is this thing going to get really, really bad this time? Because even then there was still so much uncertainty, you know, there was a very, very small percentage of the world that had access to vaccination and still a lot of people uncertain about vaccination. And so I think that that second shutdown time, it was tough for all of us because. Can you you expand on that? Yeah. Because there's, that's painting it with a broad brush. I know it was a very stressful time. So I'm curious if you can sort of speak to it from your staff perspective. I mean, having what you do, uh, your livelihood shut down And then, you know, there's a giant, I mean, just the stress involved in the uncertainty and all that kind of stuff. And at the same time, you're moving locations. I don't know if, you know, your whole staff moved over to the other location, but can you give us maybe your, your perspective, how you felt during that? Because absolutely. Yeah. Well, and it's not, so you speak to, you know, getting out of the routine and now like coming back into it and stuff. A lot of it though, too, was in this era of COVID was reworking a lot of the things that are the normals for us, you know? Um, Right. One was when we were only able to seat six people or five people at a table. And, you know, what do you do when it's a family of six and one of them's a baby, but there's six people and it's against the guideline, you know, it was a lot of relearning the wheel, but reworking it and trying to cater to where the world was at. So meeting the world where it was at. And, you know, so much about Gaucho is 
coming into the restaurant and having the experience and your food made tableside and listening to the music. And we've always done to go or had the option for people to order food to go. Mm -hmm. But when you're eating El Gaucho, a lot of people want the experience of El Gaucho. Mm -hmm. So we really wanted to figure out and find ways in which we can get creative and, and figure out how can we provide you the El Gaucho experience at home where you feel safe and you feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. And me specifically in my role, how can I help these hosts and event coordinators that now have had their whole staff working from home and they just want to do a holiday celebration that isn't just sitting on a zoom call for an hour, you know, they, they want to be able to still provide that. So there was a lot of kind of reinventing the wheel in ways we've never done before. We started doing a lot of these, um, to go dinners that come in like an insulated cooler bag and it's a reheat style dinner. So all of the all of the food in there is par cooked, but then you're provided reheat instructions on um, how you can heat your steak to the temperature you want it to be. You know yeah. how you can reheat your Brussels sprouts and they're still going to be crispy like they just came to your table here. So we kind of we put together a lot of these reheat dinners, and a lot of it was was work on the coordination aspect, but the kitchen aspect. Mm -hmm. And the number of times I have gone to chef and then like, can you, can you figure out the perfect reheat for a filet versus, you know, this group really wants to do in New York. So is the oven temperature different? What is the timing on it? All of our different sides that we have. And at the same time, being able to want to cater to each of these groups and each of the guests within these groups individually that, you know, it was so many Excel files. I never Oh my gosh, I believe it. I would have to work with Excel as much as I have, but, you know, we, we didn't have systems in place or designed to be like, how do we cater to every specific individual order of this? And in addition to that, all of that is packaging, you know, Mm -hmm. it's going in a box that it can be the ease of being able to not have to ask guests that are doing these reheat dinners to have to have the correct pan or boil or whatever, like, how can we provide it all for you that all you need is an oven that heats to 350 and we're just, we'll provide you the timing or the the veggie stock that gets added to your risotto halfway through cooking or Mm -hmm. whatever it is to kind of navigate that. So in addition to it is narrowing down what is the correct packaging for each individual item, pre-planning, how much packaging do we need to order based on these orders? Because there's also supply shortage and shipping delay and so uh, many, so many hoops, so, and so many changing, yeah. changing iterations of what is the new policy and what can and cannot be done. I would have to imagine that the whole staff at El Gaucho gelled in a way that you had oh, never had before, so cool. right? It you was, all just leaned on each other so much more because yeah. I mean, that was a, that was a time. 
For sure. And you're and store to store. Yeah, yeah, store to store too. Like, right. and to be completely honest too, this is still things we are doing, you know, right. because a lot of the world, a lot of companies are still in this place that are doing things virtual or not mm-hmm. having people come into the office. We just did a, a to-go dinner for a group, one of these reheat to-go dinners for a group last week. Mm-hmm. And our biggest piece of it though, and like you say, was how do we do this? How do we execute it right? Or how do we make sure it lands? The thing we were so adamant about when we were making this planning process and reheat dinners was how do we keep it El Gaucho through and through? How do we make sure that it's El Gaucho service all the way through? How can we get our employees in and working hours and giving them time here at the restaurant, even though they can't come and serve a table of Mm -hmm. guests? And it was so cool, even to down to last week in putting this to-go dinner together, the ways in which people, our staff showed up and wanted to participate and be a part of it. And there, I mean, there was a point where for some groups, we were even offering delivery service. Mm-hmm. And with that delivery service, we, we didn't even end up hiring the delivery service. We didn't end up hiring drivers. We kept it all in-house. All of our servers, bartenders, busers, back of house, you know, signed up to be a delivery driver. Oh my gosh. I love that. It was so cool. And we did the deliveries too. And I think one part that was awesome about it was the feedback in which we got from guests that they were like, wait, I can't believe someone from El Gaucho delivered this. One, I can't believe that this got delivered, but two, wait, you're a server at El Gaucho and you're delivering my dinner to my door, greeting people, still meeting them where they are at, or even down to arranging to have our delivery drivers, once they dropped off one of the dinners, calling the next delivery dinner to let them know, hey, I'm 10 minutes away. I just wanted to give you a heads up. Just how can you keep it El Gaucho, but an entirely different realm in way in which we did things. That's awesome. And let me just tell you that story just left a very lasting impression on me. And, uh, and I'm sure a lot of people who are listening because it speaks just to a level of service uh, and a level of we're all in it together. How are we going to make this work? Oh right? yeah. You absolutely. all had to pull together. Staff on? Yeah. Right? And it was really about how can we maintain this level of service, but also meet the expectation of our guest, whom we care to serve the right way, right? Oh, absolutely. We are still doing quite a few of those packages and we're still doing um, quite a bit of to-go, just regular main menu to-go hot. But, um, you know, I think people, they want to dine in person. So the to-go hasn't been as big. We're still doing some of it, but there was a period of time, you know, this time last year where that was all we were doing. It wasn't even to just for specific private groups. We also had um, a handful of wine dinners that we did where we kind of teamed up with a winery. Like we did a duck horn one, a Leonetti one, mm. um, 
where it was a um, virtual dinner that we hosted. So we would send out a Zoom link for people to join on to. They would come and pick up a four or five course dinner, each paired with a wine. It was a reheat dinner. And as you're on the virtual, you know, wine dinner experience with us, we had our management managers coming on to um, talk through a course. We had our chefs, some of our head chefs come on and make the course along with you. Those were really really fun and cool, but there's also so much work that, you know, we had never done before to go into those. Like now you're recording and performing in front of an audience and cooking for an audience on the screen. Hey, Um, those, it was cool though. And we all got challenged to do things that were completely outside of our comfort zone and our boxes and we're better for it. We are, we're better for it. You guys, you guys rose to the challenge. It increased what you can do and, and the level of expectation that people expect from you. So, I mean, I think that that's awesome and I'm going to be real, real, real with you because that is a missed opportunity. I told you about, um, last year when you guys were doing the to-go boxes and I did not get it. And, and you I'm made kidding. a banana foster. <laughs> but yes, so we, but here's the thing. I am so particular about food. I love food. And I was skeptical. I was like, ah, I don't know. When you get an antigo box, I don't know. We ended up doing our own El Gaucho night at home, which ended up being a very beautiful thing because we got to share that experience with our kids, simulate it for our kids. But just hearing you speak to the level of attention in how it was prepared, each for its own cut, for fish, for whatever it was, and then how it was delivered and the way it was presented and that it was so important to keep it to the right heat and, you know, all the levels. I mean, every restaurant had to like rise to incredible and rise and try and thrive through incredible challenges being thrown at them consistently. But I will just say like, that was a miss. That was a miss on my end. And if you guys are still doing to go boxes and God pray, we don't ever we're not ever in that situation again, but I will get that to-go box, Anna. I will. (laughs) Yeah. And it, you know, it allowed us to be able to have people make those El Gaucho memories, but in their own way or with their family, with their kids, like, you know, maybe they've never came to dine here with their kids. And now they are wanting to give their kids that experience in their own home or, um, it just, it allowed them to still celebrate life and all of the things that we are going through and have gone through in these last year, year plus, and um, make memories in, in a different way. Absolutely. Well, I'm ruined for life because now that I've given my children a taste of what El Gaucho could be, um, oh, yes. they <laughs> want to come. Now, year, they were like, this year, they were like, can we come? And I was like, no. This is for mom and dad only. This is an adult experience. You cannot have my experience. We'll have to find another one for you. Yes, that's so funny. It it was beautiful and it does 
you know, I'm such a, a celebrator of milestones and I'm such a celebrator of occasions and making something into an occasion and really savoring that. And so I do look forward to bringing them and, and savoring that moment with them and, you know, having it be something that ends up being a lasting tradition in our family. We'll, we'll sort of close it out a little bit, but I did want to just, you know, we were talking about the art of occasion and getting fancy and not waiting for this big thing. And that's what we're going to be doing on Galentine's. We're asking everyone to join together. And I'm so excited for your participation in it, just from how El Gaucho has become such a big part of my own story. And now I get to share that with everyone. A lot of the listeners have heard, um, and a lot of people that are within my social creative community know my story and that affiliation with El Gaucho. And so I'm so thrilled to have you guys coming on to be a part of it in some way. And you're going, you're going to be, um, we're going to have a bartender doing a demo on video and we are doing this amazing, incredible giveaway, um, with a dining certificate, just, I'm like crossing my fingers for everybody. I just, I want to share to your whole staff and family and everything, just my gratitude for loving on the audience that I have within social creative and that, that family and that community, just loving on us so well by doing that. Thank you. And I, I'm looking forward to you guys just sort of being a part of that little soiree that we'll have. So, and just being a part of Galentine's is sort of this excuse to have a party, just the art of celebration and occasion and just hearing from you on how you guys do that so well, well, whether it's a Tuesday or whether it's a Saturday meeting that for every single person, whether it's through a screen or it's in person, I just, I think that that's so important and it's just been lovely to hear you express that. Thank you so much for not just me, but our whole team allowing us to be a part of this, be a part of the celebration. We're really looking forward to um, being able to be a part of Galentine's, but also just to hear your journey and how we have got to play a role in those memories. I remember the very first email you sent me um, just reaching out saying, I think I'm coming in tonight and I'd love to do this. And, um, just even that first initial time, you know, meeting you, it it is so awesome that you've wanted us to still continue to be a part of it and allowing us and allowing our team to. Through the events in my story, it ended up being a, a symbol of celebrating life, you know, and we shouldn't wait to celebrate life. Never. What a good conversation. What a good reminder of what everyone was going through in the pandemic, especially from the hospitality industry perspective. You know, we were all called to rise to the occasion and be challenged in ways we never thought we were going to, to really have a team aspect and gel together as a family like never before in order to get things done and it was such a pleasure to listen to Anna explain that how El Gaucho did it from within their doors and you know we were all called to rise to the occasion and we were challenged in ways we had never had 
before. We were called to pivot in ways we hadn't ever known before. Just listening to their experience is reminding me how hard that was, how hard it still is because the restaurant industry still is having to figure out new ways to continue business. And it was wonderful to hear that no matter the time, no matter 20 years ago to living through a pandemic, to doing to-go orders, to welcoming people back in to dine at their table, they have the art of hospitality and the art of people at top of mind. Because as we just heard, even despite the layers and layers of detail that can go into one experience, what is really the heart of the matter is the way someone feels. It's the personal impression and connection we can make. I'm going to close this podcast episode with some final words, just how I did on our 10-year celebration night at El Gaucho. The toast concluded with this. Only on milestone occasions do we often get the opportunity to gather all of our loved ones together, especially nowadays. Weddings, milestone birthdays, and funerals are the big ones that come to mind. I recently read an article from New York Times columnist about resume virtues versus eulogy virtues. Now we're not headed to anyone's funeral for a long time, but I thought I would share its significance on me and how I wish to reframe my thoughtful living. It also reminded me of the things I've seen in my friends. Resume virtues are the cocktail party questions and list we exchange about who we are. I work here, I know her, I've done this, my Instagram following is, I'm busy doing. Eulogy virtues are the ones said at a funeral. The words recited about a person on the things that really mattered the character virtues, the things silently noticed or experienced, the admirations of how they lived or how they loved, or the sacrificial service that never got announced for all of us to know about, the repetition of kindness, the words of wisdom, the humble giving, the patient listening. Why do we often wait until the funeral to share these beautiful character observations about the people we love? Why do we wait for the big life moments to share the little things we observe about the people we love? You have the opportunity right now to sit down and share with someone you love some character virtues you've noticed or been impacted by. Say the things. Life is too short not to. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. Thank you to Anna for giving her time and sharing more about the El Gaucho family. And thank you for letting me share a little bit more about me and the thoughts and feelings I hold close to my heart. Thanks for listening and thanks for being a part of this conversation. Okay, you have heard me talk a lot about the art of an occasion. It's a no need reason to have a party. And this is exactly what our Galentine's soiree on February 10 is all about. We are asking guests to come together and celebrate an occasion, be together, whether it's virtually or having their own mini party in their home, however they can do safely. 
we are going to do watercolor. We're going to create a watercolor garland and letter it with beautiful illustrations of florals with letters by Ellen and the Mint Gardener teaching how to do this creative endeavor. Party prep is going to be made easy with the help from our friends at El Gaucho Steakhouse, Trophy Cupcakes, Canelli Vanille, Hey Danny Bakes, Elenos Yogurt, ColourPop Design, Inspo Candle Co., Studio Tajours, and Megan Allard Solutions. We've got you covered from decor to ambiance, design to bling, and of course, swoonworthy sips and decadent bites. Don't wait our celebration is starting now we have giveaways happening right now and you can win them all the way up until the event day so head over to www.wearesocialcreative.com and check out the layers and layers of detail we have put into this virtual experience this is a soiree you are not gonna want to miss and if you're on social media, find us on Instagram at Social Creative Workshops. We're sharing all the details and all the fun every day. Hope to see you there. Just wait till you see my fancy.